0: wondering how to fall completely in love with the people and things that surround you at home? I've spent the last 15 years studying how and where families thrive and what relational and house characteristics ignite us with that homey feeling. On this podcast, we uncover how our brains process the people we live with and the houses we live in so we can confidently create our homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets ready to give up the decision fatigue, comparison hives, overwhelm ulcers, and confusion chaos, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Thornock. Welcome to Becoming Home. What's up, homies? I'm so glad you're here. And I am especially glad to have Christine Bailey here with us today. Welcome, Christine, to the
1: podcast. Thank you, Carly. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me today.
0: This is so much fun. So you guys, Christine does the organic farm on Instagram, right? And in real life. I mean, this is not an Instagram farm. This is an actual farm, but we can-
1: This is a real farm, real life farm.
0: (laughs) Into her life on the the kindred farm. And also you can follow her on Instagram on organic steen. Am I saying this right? Organic steen. Okay. You got it. It's short for Christine. (laughs) I totally thought that was so cute. And the stuff that she's doing is incredible. She just wrote a book. It's called, I have to read you the whole entire title to it because I love it so much. The kindred life stories and recipes to cultivate a life of organic connection is that not what we all want that's what we all want I love it (laughs) and then she also has the kindred life podcast so Christine is all about the kindred life living a life of connection and you guys all know that that is why we're here too because we want lives of connection we want our homes to be this center of connection and when that extends Mm. out into our farms and our homesteads and especially to each other some real magic happens so Christine Anything you want to fill yes, in? Yes, ma'am. What gaps do you need to fill in that I missed?
1: No, I think that's perfect. Thank you for that intro. Um, Yeah, my my book is The Kindred Life that released last spring. And then most recently, I have a weekly podcast, The Kindred Life Podcast. And yeah, my desire is just truly to connect people back um, to their creator, to the land beneath their feet, wherever that may be. Yeah. Um, and to community and to life around the table. And that's really everything that I'm trying to do with the kindred life. Um, Thank and so yeah, I also homeschool two daughters that are nine and 12. So I do that as well, in addition to being an author and a podcaster. So my husband's a private chef. So we incorporate, we work together in all of that. So we're always bringing together like culinary and the farming and gathering people in a beautiful way. So yeah, that, that's what we um, do.
0: Okay, tell me a little bit about what it's like to homeschool girls. I have three little boys. They're nine, seven, and six. And it okay. is chaos on a daily basis. in the best <laughs> yes. way. But like at church, sometimes I see families that have just all girls. They're sitting in front of me in the pews and they just are like <laughs> cute little curly heads that are still. And my, I look over my kids' bare feet are like up in my hair. I'm like,
1: what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to know, what's it like homeschooling girls? <laughs> that's girl hilarious. Life? Well, my... <laughs> Yeah. Well, my youngest is the age of your oldest. So I have a 12, almost 13 year old. um, And she's typical, like oldest child, like she could literally run our farm, like it's insane. Um, But I mean, I think they're really in public more like controlled. But I mean, our house is totally crazy. I mean, they're always like making, you know, making crazy jokes, they're jumping off things, they're (laughs) you know, all the things I'm like, I don't, I don't have to have boys because my girls bring enough spunk and all of that to our lives. So yeah, it's really fun. I love it. And they, you know, we're raising them to really be close friends with each other. And I love the benefits that homeschool gives us just that they can be, you know, like the kindred life is not just something I wrote about. That is how we live our lives. And, um, Having that deep rootedness in our home is one of the most important things to me and my husband. So um that's just what how we're raising that? them to be. Yeah. How do
0: we do that? How do we live a kindred life? And what does that look like in your house and extend it mm. outside to your outdoor house, your outdoor home? Mm,
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, as far as well, to me, the kindred life is just a deeply connected life. It's it's a life that's connected, like I said, to community, to wherever you live, where you know if that's the city or suburbia or the country it's not just for people that live on farms or live on land this is a type this is a way of life um and a a life that welcomes people in so I think it starts in our homes and that rootedness within our family unit making sure that we're not building a life that's so chaotic and busy that we're always going going and we don't have time we don't have that time to slow down really connect with each other and and just sit and look at each other face to face. I think in the times we're living in right now, that is just becoming sadly so rare. Um, And that even just family members are not having that time, you know, and we're shuttling our kids 8 million places and there's never time to even sit down for a meal. So this is how we've been created to live since the beginning of time. I mean, you know, people are meant to share meals together and have time to talk and like really go deep in connection in relationships. So I do believe that starts like in our homes first and then kind of going the next level out, inviting people in. And I think a lot of us get really crippled by perfection and wanting it to be a performance to invite people into our homes. And so this is like anti-performance this is just about like messy beautiful connection um that's how we gather people in our homes it's like come on in grab you know grab a knife grab a cutting board like let's do this together rather than like open the door and there's this like huge spread on the table and everything's perfect there's you know that's that's not I don't think that's the way of kindred I think it's more messy than that um so not being afraid afraid to invite people in yeah so, how do you do your kindred dinners? Which sound so like that's totally amazing. different.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. so let's talk about a kindred dinner.
1: Yeah. Regular kindred dinner and then a kindred yes. dinner, at
0: the event. What would be the differences?
1: Yeah. So I think kindred in our homes is very just casual. Um, you know, like I just explained, it's into inviting people in to get their hands dirty with us. But then we do these kindred dinners seasonally on the farm. And we've been doing them for seven years now, I believe. And then before that, we lived in Dallas, Texas, and we did farm dinners in the city. So that's where we started. Um, but here on our land, of course, it's just next level. I mean, we're sitting, you know, at one long table, Um, we've had up to 150 people at one table, and it goes all the way down the middle of our pasture. And they're like, you know, 30 feet away, from the produce fields or from the beehives, um, you know, and we're like carving honeycomb onto their sourdough bread. And it's just a really beautiful, like visceral experience.
0: That's um, so yeah. And it's
1: like several hours. So we're like, you know, this is not a place to like, come get a quick meal. This is like, you know, an experience that unfolds over a couple hours. And, and it's really something we're encouraging people to do is just stop, slow down. You're sitting at a table with people that you might not know. So it's a communal experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be uncomfortable for people at first, because we're just not used to that. But every single time, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable the connections that people make. And we just, it's just proven time and time again, like when we make space for real connection, it just unfolds naturally, because I think that goes back to that is how we're created to be. So Kindred dinners, obviously, like, we have a staff for that. Like, we want to execute those on a high level because it's a, nu- it's a very, like, fine dining experience. There's multiple courses. And so that's different than, um, you know, but there's still, like, an imperfect element to that. Like, we're not, you know, we have, like, the perfect tablescape. It's, like, farm fresh flowers stuck in mason jars and things like that. Um, mismatched napkins. You know, it has, like, a funky kind of vibe but um, it's more, you know, more planned and more um, down to the detail than it is when we're just like inviting friends in our home. So.
0: Oh, I love it both though, because there is a place, there's a place for a homemade piece of sourdough with the local honey that we have just on a regular Thursday afternoon, breaking friends with each other, inviting people over for leftover night grab a grab what you got that's come and in, in, in commune right and then yeah. there's a space for a beautiful event which so many of us i think we want to have both and we have talked ourselves into one or the other it's either mm-hmm. i'm a mom and this isn't the time of life and mm-hmm. i agree and i also very strongly disagree because if you have this passion to create beauty in your life that is a, mm-hmm. a kindred call to you that can be honored in ways that feel aligned what do you think about that what would you say
1: yeah, I agree. I think that um we need we do need both. And we recognize it's such a privilege when people choose to come to our farm, and that is a special experience for them. So we don't take that lightly. Like we take that very seriously, that someone would choose to, like, step foot on our land um for a special experience. and and we we want to prepare a place for them. And everyone that comes here, we have prepared a lot for them to come here because that is really special. But, yeah, like you said, like, we don't need to um, let it hold us back from just having those like casual nights with friends where it's like, I love that where it's like, okay, what do you have in your fridge? What do you, you just bring over whatever you have and we'll pull to, pull it together and we're all in the kitchen together. I mean, that's how we cook with our friends and it is very messy and, but so fun when you finally sit down at the table and you're like, we all contributed to this and it's not even like a recipe or anything. It's just so random, but the connection that comes out of that is so beautiful and like our kids are there with us and it's very just um, there's a feeling really a feeling of belonging. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would agree with what you said. I love that.
0: Okay. I have a question for you. So what do you feel like we have in common or kindred with nature and with each other? What's this kindred thread? You said rooted a couple of times. You've said um, connection. What do you feel like is the, the thread that the, leads us Mm -hmm. all together
1: well i i mean i personally see so many um truths through nature um i don't know if that's just the way that i'm wired but i believe that we're all created by a you know with intelligent design we have a creator and i believe that we were all created to be connected to the earth the land and so you know, um, I think a lot of that comes down to as far as nature, like like living by the seasons, no matter where we live, that there is a, there's a rhythm, there's a rhythm to how we live our days. Um, it can't be constantly in the state of go, go, go. And like these seasons of hurry and busyness, there has to be a time to step back. There has to be like a time for Sabbath, whether that's one day a week or like a season that's slower. Um, we all need that. We all need rest. We all need time to slow down. Um, Every single one of us is human and vulnerable. So as humans, that, that feeling of belonging or kindred like that, I chose that word because it feels like such a universal word for how every human being is wired. And it may look different ways for us, depending on like what our lifestyle is, but at the, at the core of it, we all need to be nourished. We can all watch an Instagram reel of somebody baking bread, but have you ever actually baked bread? Like, have you ever sunken your hands into bread dough? And I think that those are the things that we're starting to miss. Um, There's so many beautiful things about technology and it serves us in so many ways, but um, I want to bring people back to actually experiencing those things themselves rather than just like, like watching them on a screen or watching someone else do them.
0: Yeah. That's so important. And nature has a rhythm to it. And as you're speaking, it's speaking mm. to me of like, if we follow the nature, the rhythm of nature that comprises mm. our bodies, <laughs> that really is yeah. a pattern, something healthy and something vibrant and something super connective almost awakens within us. What a beautiful idea. So if we have this idea of a kindred life, which I'm totally bought mm-hmm. into, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> what would be the opposite of a kindred life?
1: Mm, that's a really great question. Um, I think there's a lot of things that would be the opposite of a kindred life, but the first one I think of is a life that strives for perfection over progress. Cool. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk more about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's you know, that's that's a personal struggle of mine. I mean, yeah, I want things to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things I've learned, you know, since becoming a farmer in particular is that that's just paralyzing. And it really doesn't move forward in any way to focus on perfection over progress. And when we're focusing on progress, we see that there are so many beautiful spots in the journey itself, and it's not just this one perfect end result that we're going for. You know, in farming, there's so many blunders and and things that go wrong along the way. um, But I look back and I'm like, all of those things like helped me personally to grow as a woman and as a farmer and as a mother. Um, And so there really is so much value in that. So there's value in the journey and there's value in um, the progress spots along the journey. So I would say that's the opposite of a kindred life. Um, Meals that feel like a performance, like I mentioned before, like we're you know, it has to be perfect. And I'm only inviting people into my home. If it's like the table is set perfectly and I've created this gorgeous meal that I've stressed over for six hours. And that is like, no, that is not the way of kindred. Like it's okay to not have it all together and to still open up your door. So I would say that, um, you know, an isolated life, an isolated life that doesn't have time for face-to-face connection with people. Um, That does spend more time in the virtual world rather than in the analog world, like rather than in those tangible experiences, um,
0: allowing a lot of, I haven't heard that before. That's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love like analog versus digital because, you know, like I said, there's so many good things about digital. I mean, hello, we're using zoom, you know, we're, you know, we love computers and like our phones and, and things like that. But, um, I just don't think it can ever fully replace Oh, no, the the real human experiences, even though that's really trying to happen, you know, like in a lot of people are trying to do that right now, like AI, like can, robots can like write papers for you and like create art. And it, I don't know, it's it kind of comes to this point. I've really been pondering that a lot lately is like, when is that too much? Like, at what point can you just not ever replicate what a human soul can do and like contribute to the world, you know? Um, fine and, and I think one. another thing about go kindred, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say the other thing I was thinking about, that's kind of not the opposite of the kindred life is, and this is something that I have to remind myself of is not getting stuck by not getting, getting stuck by making excuses rather than taking action and taking those small steps forward. And I think that's, you know, easy for all of us to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'd love to have a farm someday, or I'd love to do this one day, or um quit my job and do this like dream. But so many of us get paralyzed and don't ever just take the first step forward because it it seems like, you know, too daunting. And there's so many excuses of like, why I, you know, you can't do that right now. So a lot of what I wrote about in the Kindred Life book was just trying to inspire people to take those small steps forward and to take the risk and to do the uncomfortable thing that moves you forward. And that's because that's been my own journey. That's not something I love to do, but I have seen the beauty that has come from that. So,
0: Mm, yeah, man, for me, the, the one next thing is almost the most uncomfortable part. To dream big. Yeah. It's so awesome. And it'd be like, yeah, I'm going in these directions. It's gonna be great. Yeah. 10 years, just you wait. And then yeah. the answer is so wake up 10 minutes earlier today. And it's like, I don't know
1: about that. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't> know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. And that's why nobody like that's why people don't ever move forward because it's like those small steps are the hardest. You know, like people want to go from A to Z, but there's like B, C, D, E, F, G, like so many <laughs> in between, right? Um <laughs> Yeah. So I understand. I mean, I feel that so hard. Um, so I'm, you know, I understand. And that's what I'm hoping to like, just share my experience and what I'm learning along the way that will hopefully help someone else.
0: What have you noticed is like the biggest result from leaning into this kindred life? Do you have a, you, you mentioned before that you were into music, you've gone to college, you've studied into business. Yeah. What was there a big shift in leaning into the kindred life or were you always on this kindred path and it's unfolded gradually? What was mm. it your journey?
1: You know, I, I looking back now, I wouldn't ever have said then like, oh my goodness, I'm going to end up on a farm in Tennessee and like be hosting farm dinners. And like, I never would have ever thought that. But now when I look back even to like my life as like a single young woman in Nashville working in the music industry, um, my my roommates and I like we would throw these like random get togethers with our friends and we would I remember one it was like kind of the first kindred dinner we put like all these little tables together in our living room and we invited all our friends over and had this valentine's party and it was like I cooked the only thing I knew which was Italian food because I grew up in Italian American family so I like cooked my aunt Lucille's lasagna and baked C D and we just like all sat at these like random mismatched tables and it was one of the most memorable nights ever and, you know, then I met Steven and we had so many, um, commonalities and like what we loved to do with our, with our time and with our lives. And so that really brought it to this beautiful next level when we got together. And then in living in Dallas, in the city, after I met him, I moved to Dallas and we just both were like looking for beauty. Like, how could we find the natural beauty in the city? And then we started seeking out local farmers and, and visiting local farms ourselves. And that's kind of how that journey started to unfold. So even back, you know, in a tiny little condo in the middle of Dallas, we were like, you know, it was like random, like floor to ceiling mirrors and like red carpet. It was not at all our style, but we still (laughs) invited people in like we we did like we invited people in um, from all different stages of life. And that's just been So, yeah, I would say looking back on the journey, it has been part of it from the beginning. It's just kind of changed in the way that it's looked. And I feel like here on the farm, we're able to do, it's kind of like a culmination of this whole journey that's led us here. Um, And just to have the blessing of like so much space and land to do even more and to gather people in a different way, Um, but not giving up those like small really intimate gatherings which have been there since the beginning so
0: Mm, it's inspiring on lots of levels that's so great all right so I have seen that you record your podcast sometimes in your greenhouse (laughs) which is awesome I'm in my my travel trailer right now I recorded my shipping container at our ranch all the time and out amongst the different quiet places that are dry that I can find as well. Oh, fun. <laughs> what are the pros and cons of recording in a greenhouse? <laughs> Our greenhouse is disassembled. It will be assembled in a couple of months. So I've never tried it. What do you recommend?
1: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, okay. You have to try it. I don't know how big yours is. But so we have two like high tunnel greenhouses that are huge. They're like 100 feet long. I did not record on there because it would be super echoey. But we have this cute little six by 10 greenhouse sets for seed starting it's where all our like seed trays are right now um so that's where I recorded so you know normally when I do my podcast episodes I'm like up here in our barn studio but every month or so I'll do an outside episode and I'll just like put it like in I'll like go to the middle of the creek and sit there and record an episode um so this yeah (laughs) so this last one I did it in the greenhouse and it was unbelievable I could not even believe the sound quality. So one of the pros was definitely the plants. I literally think the plants and soil were like sound barriers. Like they absorbed, it was amazing. (laughs) It was like built in recording studio. Um, And also this is hilarious, but I think there was like so much oxygen in there. I was just like, "Ah!" it was amazing. Cramped. I was like, inches away from seed trays. Like I had this teeny, teeny little spot. I could say like, I couldn't move my arms. I could reach out and touch my zinnia plants. Yeah, it was fun. So I highly, highly recommend I recording love that. a greenhouse <laughs> if you can. <laughs>
0: I'm going to have to try
1: I'll dedicate the episode
0: to you. You'll, I'll, I'll send it to you when it happens. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, Christine, with all of my guests, I like to do a rapid fire home question experience. Are you up for it?
1: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's okay. do it
0: <laughs> what is the quirky thing that you do in your house it's like weird that your husband might be like oh no don't do that around Christine that really bugs her
1: What's the <laughs> <party>? <laughs> um okay so I have a couple things the first one I can think of is barcodes are like not allowed in my house like I am the person that's gonna like go to someone's house and rip a barcode sticker off their trash can like I cannot take it <laughs> So those have to be removed on everything. Like the second I walk in the door, Um, but then I guess like quirky, I'm kind of, I don't know. It's weird. Like I need my kitchen to be spotless every night before I go to bed. Like I cannot go to sleep if my kitchen has dishes anywhere. It has to be completely reset. But then my bedroom, it's like, there's just clothes thrown on the floor. There's wet towels. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But for some reason, my kitchen has to be really, really clean. But then the rest of my house, I'm like, what have I done? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And it's like, my personal space is the one that I tend to neglect. I don't know. I think I need your help, Carly. (laughs) I think that's so good. That's great. So my last (laughs) guest
0: was saying that she's, she is. Retentive about her floors, and she will get down like, mm. vacuum and like vacuum all of her hardwood cracks. How weird do you think that
1: is? Okay, so I would love okay. to say that I do that. No, it doesn't happen. I mean, I use like the little sucky attachment on my vacuum to get all the corners, but I'm not with a toothbrush or anything. <laughs> um, I mean, our house, you know, our we have a 1949 farmhouse. Oh my which goodness, is so fun! It's so fun. It's you know, it's pretty small. It's like 1800 square feet. So pretty small. But um, we've put so much attention to the outside of the farm that the inside is just little by little. We're like DIYing things. This last year, like in the fall, we finally knocked out a wall that we've been wanting to knock out for like ever between our, uh, yeah, between our dining room and living room. And it was like life changing. Like, I don't even know why we hadn't done it sooner, but it is amazing, like exponentially better just from that one wall being removed. And it just like feels so much more open. You can see the outside, you know, is, has been brought in and there's so much more light. And so, yeah, but it's yeah, the quirks, I can't think of any other quirky things I do, but definitely the barcodes, they've got to go.
0: That's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. Except for when you get things at the stores where they put the, the barcodes on the glass. I mean, no.
1: No, then that's when you get lemon essential oil because that's the only way to get that off.
0: Is that the way to do it? Because Gugan, I mean, that's, I mean, we could talk about products and chemicals all day long, but
1: yeah, lemon, yeah. Essential oil. lemon essential. Yeah, it works. It also gets Sharpie off of doorways. not that I've had to do that or
0: anything. That, I mean, hypothetically for my, speaking for my friend, she might need that and that might be an issue <laughs> and will have to tell her.
1: Yeah, it might also take your paint off, but it's going to get the Sharpie <laughs> off.
0: Leave it to the essentials.
1: That's so good. <laughs> okay, Christine. What is the thing
0: in your house? The one thing, you can only pick one that represents oh. you in a
1: nutshell. Okay. Okay. I don't know if this is what you're going for, but it I think I'm gonna say my sunflower throw blanket that I still sleep with. <laughs> this might be a little vulnerable. No, <laughs> it's it's from my freshman year at college when my entire dorm room was sunflower decked. I mean, it was like, I don't know if you did this in college. It was like sunflower comforter, sunflower framed print, sunflower pillows, sunflower perfume, sunflower (laughs) jewelry. It was everything sunflower. But this one blanket, I just, I've loved ever since then. And so I still sleep with it every night. It's my favorite. It's like threadbare. My daughters say that my love is in it. Like it's like infused into the blanket. So they all like want to take turns holding it around them. Um, And then it just reminds me of like, I've always loved flowers. Like I never knew I would be a flower farmer, but I don't know. That's just always been part of me in some way. And now it's so cool that I actually grow like hundreds of feet of sunflowers every year. So I don't know. It's kind of a cool, like, I just feel like it's me. It's like really me. And it doesn't like go with anything in my house. It's like not even like a modern design. You know, it's like the 90s, like, what oh, do you yeah. call those throw blankets? You know, like the woven ones. I totally know exactly. My, you know
0: my what I mean? I had know. an Anakin Skywalker one and I was always <laughs> jealous of it. I know exactly the ones that you're talking about.
1: That's amazing. So I don't care. Yeah. So I don't care that it doesn't really match anything. I love it so much.
0: In, in my world, we call that the thing you love, love, love. And every room has to have mm-hmm. one. And it can, Mm. it has free range. It doesn't have to match. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just because you love it and you love it so fiercely that you would get it in the fire. That's the thing.
1: (laughs) Oh, I would grab that for sure.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Now this is the preference section. So I'm going to give you two choices and you just have to spit out your preference or you can make up a third one if it comes to you. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yes. Toilet paper over or under?
1: Oh, definitely over. Definitely over. (laughs) For sure. Over. (laughs)
0: And get that barcode off of there. Toothpaste, <laughs> do you squeeze from the top or from the bottom or just squeeze it in the middle?
1: Um, Top. Top. Yeah.
0: Do you use a dishwasher for your dishes? Do you towel dry them or drip dry them?
1: I use a dishwasher, but I also hand wash large items. And then they drip dry on like a little drying thingy. You know, like the, um, like pads, like the drying pads.
0: Yes. Awesome. Do you tuck your bed sheets in at the bottom?
1: Oh yes, definitely. Must (laughs) must happen. I cannot stand bed sheets like when your feet are going on the bottom. That is not okay. (laughs) And
0: on your top sheet on your bed, are you a top sheet pattern in so that when you fold it back, it's to the to this room, or are you like a pull the sheet tight so that the pattern is up when you pull it tight without the fold? Okay.
1: I would love to say that I'm the person that does it upside down so that when you fold it back is the pattern. I know that's probably the right way to do it. I do not do that. <laughs> like I barely even use a top, like a flat sheet. And my girls do not use flat sheets. They hate them because they feel like their legs get all tangled in it. Um, But we do use one, but I do like the pattern is up. And then helpful. when you fold it back, then it's like the back. I don't know. It's kind of weird.
0: No, Love it. That's, that's actually how I do it. And I don't, I don't have top sheets on my kids' beds because they have bunk beds and I want to.
1: Oh no, that's, anyway. that's the
0: worst. That's the worst. That's the worst, right? Yes. Um, do you do your own laundry or does your family do laundry all together?
1: Okay. This is awesome. My 12 year old does our laundry I love and it. we have trained her to do that. And that's like her. So she doesn't do like a daily chore. So my younger daughter empties the dishwasher. And she's chosen to do a short daily chore. Whereas my older daughter would rather do like a one time a week long chore. So that was her choice. And so she loves like more the slow methodical thing. So she loves it. Like she does all our laundry. She puts theirs away. She like just puts ours on our bed and I hang it up. I hang my husband and my laundry up, but it's amazing. So every Monday she does all that. Yes. And I like literally hate doing laundry. So I am so happy <laughs> to have her do that for us. Children are such blessings. I'm I gonna- know. <laughs> do you use bar soap or gel soap? Um, gel soap. My husband likes bar soap, but I don't use that in the shower. No, I don't gel like soap. it. And do you vacuum or sweep yeah. your hard floors? I vacuum. I even use like the little you know, the sucker attachment to like, sometimes I just, I just vacuum most of the floor with that. It's probably not very efficient,
0: <laughs> but I feel like
1: sweeping is just kind of moving it all around and then you still have to use the vacuum to suck up the pile. Right. So yeah, I
0: think you have yeah. a great point. And what's your absolute favorite chore?
1: I actually love hand-washing dishes. And we don't currently have chickens, but when we did, washing eggs was like my favorite. It was just, there's something I like about just standing at the sink. It's like warm, soapy water. It's very meditative. And I just like let my mind wander. And it's like a chore that I feel like I actually enjoy. And then there's from the fulfillment at the end when everything's clean and sparkly and, you know, yeah. So I Mm. don't mind doing that, but I hate doing laundry. And now you don't
0: have
1: uh, to. And I I don't have to, yes. (laughs) So blessed
0: yes, that's amazing christine thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been a privilege and a blessing and i'm so grateful you guys you can find her organics team at instagram mm-hmm. the kindred farm on instagram and you can buy her book the kindred life we have to say this the, the tag of it stories and recipes to cultivate a life of organic connection it's so good go <laughs> back today any far- parting words any words of wisdom
1: Oh, goodness. I just think this is awesome. Thank you so much for this. Because I think it's so important that, yeah, like we put value in our homes, in the spaces that we're in and not neglect them. Like there's so much value in that. And having, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just to have a space that feels like us that we can welcome people in, I think is so, so great. So yeah, I love the work that you're doing too. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Our pleasure. I'll speak for all of us listening. Our (laughs) cumulative pleasure. Everybody out there. Go make a huge mess, invite somebody into your house and live the messy kindred life together. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, are you a savvy mom who craves a play space for your kids? that works tastefully with the rest of your house and entertains them for hours on end. If this is you, I want to invite you to sign up for my new newsletter called Forts and Flip-Flops. This is a two-week email series that will help you transform your playroom from a psychedelic source spot to a cohesive, creative retreat. It is 100% free, and the, the best, the most fun part of this is we are going to take your favorite pair of shoes, as design inspiration for how we put together your playroom. Now, what do shoes and playrooms have in common, you're asking? I'm so glad you did. This might feel a little bit fairy godmother-ish, but we all know that great shoes swing a royal ball from disastrous, I mean, falling off, blisters to delightful, dancing with ease and confidence and schmoozing, getting the most out of your evening. We know that shoes can make the difference. What shoes you choose to wear or choose to love informs us about what you value. So we're gonna get down to what you value based on your shoes. We're going to infuse those values into your playroom to create a place that's the perfect fit for you and your children. If this feels like it's right up your alley, you can grab your access to Forts and Flip-Flops on my website, www.carlythornock.com slash epicplayroom. You're going to enter in your email, and over the next two weeks, you will experience a transformation that you've only dreamed of. See you there.